Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks, share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Let's get this show on the road. How about this? In five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of We Leaders. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Alongside me today, folks, we've got your favorite guest on the show today. We've got Simon Mainwaring, uh, the founder of We First Branding. Simon, how are we doing today? I am excellent. How are you? I'm super fantastic. Now that I am with you. Thank you. Again, again. I'll take that any day. So, so Simon, a couple just things real quick. We were talking about surfing before this. Fill us in. How's the surfing going? Are you improving? What are you, what are you riding these days? I got to tell you that like one of the consequences of COVID, whether you look at it through the professional or personal lens, is we all got to take better care of ourselves. So I made a promise to myself. I actually went to a CEO retreat where we all was just men and we had to CEO retreat and sort of got vulnerable and talked to each other and some of the challenges and I made a promise to myself that I'd get better balance in my life and, and do more of what brings me joy. And surfing, having been Australian and growing up in the water, brings me joy. And I'd let that go for the last 20 years. And now I've gone back to it. And I'm absolutely crap. I look like an old man drowning every single session. But it is making me so happy. So, yeah, I've been getting in the water just to make, that I, make sure that I show up better for everybody else. You know, Getting those outside experiences from Mother Nature are so humbling. You know, right. and it's and it's life. It, it's a reminder to keep on pushing, keep on swimming, keep yeah. getting back out there, because life's tough, and you got to keep going, you got to keep swimming, and eventually you'll look back and you'll be riding these big waves, and you'll go, "Hey, remember where I started?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's the metaphor, and also to your point, you know, you have these moments of awe. I had like two ends of days last weekend where I was literally the sun literally went down and I'm out there at the back with these guys who are much better surfers and I'm watching the sunset and that's all you need you have these moments where you're just like the you know mother nature the world is like majestic it's it's awe-inspiring and it just kind of resets you and fuels you and gives you what you need to to keep going and these you know really tough times tough on our minds tough on our bodies tough on our businesses and um so yeah I think nature is the original medicine like you get out there and you really just sort of restore how you feel restore your mindset and it makes all the difference and for anyone listening out there you're like you know i actually might need to do that maybe i'm working too much and let go it's like a trapeze you gotta yeah. let go to climb the next ladder you know let go get yourself free get yourself you know reset clear um so that you can give your people and your business the best that you can have now simon uh, the majority of the themes for for our we leaders series that we have here is about how, and this inclusiveness, this collaboration about how together, if we're aligned on this this end goal, we together can accomplish something the world's never seen before. Fill us in a little bit more about how people can become we leaders in today's day and age. You know, it's funny. It's a two hander because it's really about being of service to the greatest number of people. But by doing so, you're ultimately being as effective as possible in terms of your own self-interest. So let me explain. You know, if business was doing everything it needed to do to solve for all the issues we face, like climate and everything else, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. 
but the independent or unconnected efforts of a few people, because if you look at all the business, not every all businesses are showing up this way, that the minority is not getting the job done. And what we've got to do is work together in new ways to accelerate and scale our efforts. So if you want to be a we leader, I mean, I talk about it in terms of my new book, Lead with We. And if you want to be a we leader, it's about putting the leadership component first and working with as many other stakeholders as possible in service of the largest we, which is the greatest number of people on the planet. And that may sound like it's lofty and well-intended and you want to fix the world, but ultimately it's selfish because you are trying to make sure that your business is in a society or a community that's thriving. And you're trying to make sure that the planet can sustain humanity and so on. So, I mean, we are literally poisoning ourselves, suffocating ourselves, choking ourselves with plastic. And, you know, unlike any other species on the planet. And we've really got to do something differently so that we can survive in business. So being a we leader is about really leveraging business to benefit as many people as possible. And by serving the whole, the parts, including you can thrive. And for those out there, you know, it's not about you, right? It's not about you. That's the, it's the ultimate thing. We, we continually put ourselves into that little trap, that box of, I'm bringing in the most business. I'm leading the organization. It's it's me. If I were to remove myself from the organization, the business would fail. Whereas a we leader is all about bringing people up, being concerted, caring about more than just the bottom line at the end of the day. And it's an easy trap to fall into, Simon. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, you know, sometimes we almost do it as leaders, whether you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or a founder or a big exec. It's almost this conceit where we think, well, it's all up to me and only I can do it. And I've got the big job title or I started the company and I've got to do it all. I'm going to push that Sisyphus rock up the hill. Instead, to your point, if you go, wait a second, you know, our strategic goals are something we all share. Fostering a culture that's resilient in these challenging times is a co-creative exercise. Building our marketing exposure to move product is something that we do with all of our customers and they promote our company. And then in terms of fixing societal challenges, all stakeholders, not only share in the rewards, but also share in the responsibilities. It's this we mindset that gets pulled all the way through. And I tell you what, suddenly you can stop rowing and the, 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 the kayak, the boat, the canoe will keep moving forward because there's more hands on the oars. And you'll suddenly realize that, you know, there's that old expression, you can go, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, far, go together, you know, all of that. Yeah. And, and, and taking that canoe analogy, you know, looking around and going, you know, do I want to be with that individual before we go down the rapids, you know, so getting people <laughs> well, to get into the boat with, that's a whole other choice. Yeah. And, that's a whole other issue. Making sure they're trained. You know, it, there's a lot of things that you have to deal with as a leader. Now, from the branding perspective is where we tend to focus these conversations on. And Simon, I got to be honest with you, we run the impact awards. Uh, this year, we're going to be ranking 300 top impact companies. A shameless plug there, of course, for leaders that the application process is already over, folks. But I'm having these conversations, Simon, and it appears like a lot of these companies are going through a rebranding phase right now, ready to launch for 2023. What should they be paying attention to right now? You know, I think there's this really unusual conspiracy of circumstances going on. And I want to sort of firstly oversimplify. If we are in a, a moment in time where economically there's inflation and a lot of talk that we're already in a recession, does that mean you cut your marketing, you pull back your communications, you just double down on price and moving product? 
No, because it really is a race to the bottom. Instead, what you've got to do is look very clear-eyed at what 2023 is going to look like and say, okay, strategically, how do we need to reposition ourselves? So a lot of the work that we're doing with clients right now is saying, okay, we have to have some, some cost management to make sure that we're not sort of, you know, um, hurting ourselves in the sense of our outgoings. But also at the same time, you've got to look at the marketplace and go, what is your consumer or what is your customer interested in? What are their priorities? How have they shifted? And in those terms, how do I go to market? And so every three months, it feels like in the last couple of years, has been a different marketplace, a different social, cultural landscape. And the same is true of 2023. We're going to be in this inflationary, recessionary market. It looks like, you know, the, the war in Ukraine is going to continue. It looks like there's, you know, arguably some issues still in around the, the global pandemic. Um, there's a lot of political unrest and so on. And there's, you have to sit down and go, okay, what is going to inspire that consumer to buy your product, to put their hand in their pocket, to invest their precious dollars with you? So that strategy work is absolutely critical right now. So don't abandon brand. Don't lump it into the marketing bucket and say, well, that's not a priority. We're going to cut that. Instead, really look at your strategy again and say, how do we need to reposition ourselves to, to thrive in that marketplace? And uh, 2023 will be here before we know it. I think we're almost there. I mean, we're, I'm already, you know, when someone on the phone call says, all right, let's set up a call for January. And you're like, January? What? We just started 2022, but it's happening. So, so for those folks out there, and, and there are a lot of them, they're like, you know, we, we were really focused on rebranding. We want more visibility, but we don't, we don't really know quite where to start. Your recommendation might be starting, what is 2023 lookout? What else can they Well, you know, the process that we take through is very, very clear, which is, you know, firstly, you've got to look at the company itself and you have a look at all the research that the company would provide. You do an NDA with a company, you look at all their materials mm -hmm. and you get a sense of how they see themselves. Then you look at the competitive landscape and say, okay, what are other companies out there doing? And what does that landscape look like independent of those companies? Mm. And then you do stakeholder interviews where you speak to key voices inside the company and say, what's your vision for how you need to show up in the world or where the marketplace opportunities are in the next year? And on the strength of that, you look at not only your strategy, which is how you position yourself in the marketplace, but also your communications, both internally and externally, internally with your own people, because you know, there's everyone's remote, cultures aren't as sticky as possible. There's been, as, as in the past, there's been the great resignation. How are you going to communicate to the people that make your business possible so that they want to work for you? They want to stay. They see that working for you is fulfilling to them personally. So internal comms and then external comms. How do you go to market and talk about what you're doing from a DNI perspective, ESG, purpose, impact? Whatever you might be doing that's positive in the world, how do you communicate that in a way that's going to unlock value to their business? So we do a lot of work through the lens of culture, a lot of work through the lens of ESG and B Corp and SDG. How do you tell that story in a way that's going to build your bottom line? And so when you pull all that through based on a clear eyed view of where the marketplace is, you're not fearful of Q1 next year. You actually look at it and go, oh, this isn't bad. It just is. It's a new brief. We know what the brief is. We've answered that brief. Now let's go execute. And that's so critical now. And, and whether it's your sales playbook, your hiring playbook, you know, this brand is really the values and the, I guess, the, the lore of the company. It is the storytelling aspect. It is sure. the, what makes it human. Uh, yeah. To you, Simon, 
Where have you seen some companies be very effective with this story, this, this storytelling? Well, you know, sometimes brand gets a bad rap. Brand is not marketing. Brand is the story you tell about your company. It is the articulation of how you're showing up in the world and increasing in the last five to 10 years, as we all know, if you're listening to, you know, we leaders is uh, it's been in, informed or infused with your role in the world, your purpose. So there are a lot of companies that are, are that are doing this well. I mean, a really notable example that everyone was talking about in the last week or two has been Patagonia, where Yvonne Chouinard, the founder, took its company and put it into a trust so that its revenue um, and the ownership of the company in perpetuity would be dedicated towards, um, you know, uh, so addressing the climate emergency. Now, obviously, there's also been a lot of talk about the tax advantages implicit in that financial instrument that he developed. But I think a couple of things are interesting. One, despite looking for the last two or three years, because in the articles I've read, Von Chouinard said when he made the billionaires list, he knew that he failed because that's not what he wanted to do. So he started to decide how to get rid of the company in the sense he had to invent a new financial instrument. There wasn't an instrument out there that allowed him to make the earth its only stakeholder. But the power of what he, of what he did is it's so in line with what he's done with a brand. You know, they launched this concept of responsible consumption and responsible growth and the, you know, and the responsible economy. And year after year, that demonstrated this from don't buy this jacket to suing the former president over public lands and so on and so on. And there's always been this higher order and larger commitment to the planet we all share. And so that is a story they've been telling. And this latest installment, the latest chapter in this long-term story is how he's now allocated the ownership of the company and put it into trust and so on. So all of that is to say that brand is so important, like Patagonia is a very, very powerful example of a brand that's been building a narrative over decades. And this is the latest installment in that. Yeah. And that's really the key thing. You know, if you're Yvonne Chouinard, you do that now, obviously people are going to you know, pick up on that. If I am a, 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 a if I can, if I'm a competitor, I'm, what do I do? What do I do with, with that? How do I compete with someone who, who's that ambitious over that, over the, over those years? Where, where do I start though? You know, as, as a, yeah. as an impact company, I guess more along the lines of what makes a good story. Yeah. Well, a couple of things, you know, a lot of the work that we do at we first with brands and we do startups that are private equity or venture back all the way through to very large global complex enterprises like Sony Pictures Television or VF Corporation and others, all great brands making a real difference, is you have to define a unique, emotional, simple and compelling purpose, which is your role in the world. Your purpose is why you exist. That is the starting point. It's not a marketing exercise. It's the foundation, the keystone for the entire business. Why do you exist as a company? And so the starting point is there, and then you build on that. You know, you define your your positioning, your values, your voice, and then ultimately your tagline. And this is the strategic foundation. This is the communication architecture of your company. And then typically, what in the work that we do, we work with companies to define what their cultural conversation is that they're going to lead, which is what is the dialogue, the narrative they're going to drive out there in the marketplace that is going to command attention and really inspire all stakeholders from their suppliers to their employees, to their customers, consumers, or partners to want to be part of something larger than themselves. So, you know, when we did this work for Avery Dennison, it was about making a material difference. When we did it for Tom's, it was about living for one another. Um, and, you know, each one of these sort of solutions 
are a higher order narrative that's unique and differentiating to that brand. And then all of your marketing, all of the ways you talk about your products, all of your impact programs, ESG, SDG, B Corp, whatever it might be, are all social proof of that higher order commitment. And one other thing I'll say about this is that if this sounds aspirational, that at the same time, you've got to maintain your bottom line, but also play a positive role in the world. I want to say these two are not mutually exclusive. Given the number of you know, the concurrent crises that we face from the climate emergency to biodiversity to plastics in the ocean to economic disparity, all of these issues are getting more and more complicated and intertwined. And they're going to create, they're really going to compromise people's lives in more dramatic ways, in which case the scrutiny on business is only going to increase. Employees, investors, and consumers will be less and less tolerant with companies that aren't very clear and articulate about the role they're playing in the world. So by leaning into your purpose, by building a brand that has articulated the higher order role it's playing in the world, you are in fact doing the, the smartest thing you can do to make sure that you'll be relevant and therefore resilient in tomorrow's marketplace and build your bottom line. It's not either or, it's not make money or do good. Increasingly, your impact will drive your relevance and resonance and ultimately your revenue. And there are so many businesses out there that are doing the right thing. You know, how many entrepreneurs have I spoke to in the last week that are just like, you know, I, I created this organic uh, body lotion that I just started giving to people. And then all of a sudden, like this business owner was, sh was shaking me and said, what the fuck are you doing? Make a business. And so I made this business and now it's growing and, and you know, it's over 20 million in revenue. And now I'm looking to build my brand. I'm looking to tell that story. You have that story. You're best positioned to tell that story. And 80% of American buyers are more likely to buy from your company right. if they can resonate with the founder's story or their values. And Simon, I spoke to someone today, a pretty large organization, very similar to Patagonia, talking about impact and brand being non-distinguishable. It's one yeah. in the same. Your thoughts on that way of thinking? Yeah. You know, the biggest mistake, I mean, WeFirst has been around 12 years and we've worked with hundreds of brands. The biggest mistake I see, and it's understandable, is that a young company, which is resource scarce, it doesn't have a lot of budget, and typically the people in charge aren't marketers by trade, they, get, they want to get to market with their product. They want to get some beachhead out there. They want to get some traction to build on. So it's always getting that MVP out there, whether it's a shampoo or God knows, whatever it might be. But then two or three years down the track, having done that, they realize that all of those precious dollars could have been much more better spent by building a brand. And the way they do that is doing that strategy work up front. So they're still going to market with their product, but that product has context, which is the largest story of the brand. So that every time they're spending money, whether it's the holiday season or whether it's summer, spring fashion or whatever it might be, they're starting to build a cadence, a resonance. They're ringing the same bell over and over again so that by the time they're two or three years out, they've actually got brand awareness out there because it doesn't matter. Your business, I don't care what business you're in, lives or dies on this moment, this one moment. Someone walks into a store and looks at a shelf or they go to the computer and put in e-commerce site, whatever it is, and they either put in running shoes or Nike, soap or Dove. I don't know, whatever, pick your product, car or Hyundai, I don't know. Your brand, consciously or unconsciously, has to have sufficient resonance that, you, that that's the starting point for their consideration set. 
for what they're going to buy. And so all of that is to say is that you've got to, as a young company, go out there and build a brand out of the gate. And it is an investment upfront, but it will pay dividends, not just out of the gate when you're in the first few years, but exponentially over time. And let's face it, you know, you're saving on opportunity cost here, right? It's like the one thing that like when we met you, Simon, back in 2019, the one thing that I'm constantly like reiterating to our team is your analogy of throwing up things on like on a whiteboard, social, your Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, website, email marketing, you know, all your platforms. And let's see where the disconnect is. Do they all yeah. look and feel the same? You know, I'll tell it's them that so crazy. Answer. I don't care who you are. You do that. You put them all up there and you go, oh my God, you know what you're doing? You are spending all your precious marketing dollars broadcasting your schizophrenia to everyone. Yes. And I have been in marketing for 25 years. And I was lucky enough to work on Nike at their ad agency and launched the Razor phone for Motorola and had all these great experiences in marketing. And I'll tell you, I've only ever seen three scenarios in every situation worked all around the world, got a funny accent, whatever. You've got, you've got bad product, good story. That's really bad because people listen to the story and then they check out your product. Or you've got good product and bad story, which is a little bit worse, but not because no one's checking out your product. Or you've got good product and good story. And that's all it is. If you've got a good product you're taking to market, and you go with a good story as a brand, you will lead, leave 80% of your competitors behind. And increasingly, to your point about the, the, the company you were talking to, in a world-facing crisis, where every single day, the people that buy your stuff and work for you look at their phones and go, oh my God, the future is scary. Increasingly, your impact is becoming your brand because that's what's most relevant to the context of their lives. Because every single one of us, whether you're an employer, a supplier, a consumer, me as a dad, as a husband, we all wear these different hats. I want to activate my own agency for change because I'm worried about my future. I'm worried about my kid's future. And if I can go to a shopping aisle and go, this product does X and makes a difference while this one just you know, has, does whatever it says, I'm going to choose that one because I want the benefit of the product, but I also want the impact it's going to have. It's that damn simple. And from an operational standpoint, too, for you know anyone listening out there who are like, okay, well, what does this like look like? I am hiring someone for marketing. I, I have, they they send me some copy to approve on a monthly basis, but I don't really know where they're going with this. Our sales are lacking. I'm thinking about firing them. This is a way to start over to get your brands key messaging correct so that everything comes from that yeah. whether you you fire the marketing firm you hire a new one they can go to this kit this uh boilerplate yeah, yeah. They go and, and get yeah. that help that they need yeah i mean i'll give you three component pieces that we build for companies the first is that foundational strategic architecture your purpose your positioning your voice your values your tagline and the key messaging for specific stakeholders so you might have suppliers employees customers, the industry and the world at large, for example, or NGOs and nonprofits, whatever it might be. That's the first stack. The second stack we build for companies is, you know, specific to culture. So we will develop um, tools like, for example, a purpose handbook or a culture book that codifies all of that strategy work, plus 
do's and don'ts and how you activate those values and really, really guidelines and guardrails for how employees need to show up to actually bring that stated purpose to life. So the training and tools is the second piece and also a plan for how you roll that out internally. Because some companies have five people in Chicago and some companies have 100,000 people in global markets around the world with a big footprint. It, so, let's just pause there real quick because that's, that's yeah. incredibly valuable, right? So I, many employees doing silent exits, they're leaving. We don't know where they're going. No, the right? silent resignation, the silent firing, the what? Yeah. I don't know what the next thing is yeah. now. We, it's, it's chicken shit. You know, it's like, come yeah. on, you know, be, be stand up, say, say goodbye. You know, it's like, it's, these are the things that just grind people's gears. Now, if that happens to you, if you're like, that happened to me last week, this handbook, it doesn't matter. You, you don't have to worry about that because you have that in place for that next person to come in, turnkey, exactly. you're ready to go. And I'll tell you, um, particularly after a certain point of scale, if you're five people or 10 or 20, 30 people, you can be the founder, solo, you know, the founder who's evangelizing to everyone about the company and let everyone know and onboarding and all of that. But after a certain point of size, you can't do that. You can't be the voice running around the corridors keeping that story alive. And you need to create the tools to scale. And that impacts onboarding. So when you sign somebody and six weeks out, you send the materials and it starts to get them up to speed about what they care about, all the way through to making sure that, you know, the, the existing uh, employees you have become the, the custodians of the culture, you know, so that everyone's fortifying the culture. Because here's the thing, this is a big mistake that we see all the time in companies right now, which is, you know, everyone thinks that leadership or marketing, leadership or HR in charge of culture. And the employees are sitting there with their arms crossed going, hey, what have you done for me lately? It's not, it's a co-creative exercise. When you provide a purpose handbook or a culture book that really lays out that everyone has a shared responsibility to build and foster and sustain their culture and that they've got to show up that way, then you know the, your culture is much more resilient during these difficult times. So, uh, you know, this mindset of we leaders doesn't just apply to the leader, it applies to everyone inside a company from wherever they sit, they all have the capacity to lead. And I'll tell you, as someone who's been in the, you know, do good space for coming on 13 years now, 90% of the time, the exciting initiatives that become a company becomes famous for start with people inside the company, not the CEO, you know, not the CMO or CFO. It starts with someone who's passionate about the brand and they have an idea and they bring it to life and it, it takes on a life of its own. So Simon, in, in some of our forums, we'll have this um, theme at, at the end of the meetings called get, give or get. And so, you know, just for, for you, what's one thing you like to give to the audience today, whether it's a resource, a connection, um, a tool that they can use to get help with what we're talking about today? Yeah, there's a couple of things. One, you know, I'm lucky enough with my team at the company to get a line of sight across a number of different organizations out there. And what that does is it allows you to see the patterns of what works and what doesn't. We work with Tom's and Timberland and Virgin United and traditional medicinals and so many brands. And then you codify those patterns and you go, wow, I wish we could tell more people what works and what doesn't. And so, you know, I wrote a book called Lead With We that just came out that um, is on Amazon and so on. And, you know, it's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. McKinsey named it their top workplace culture book for January. And um, it's a finest international business book of the year. 
And it just packages up a lot of the insights and practices and learnings that we've observed due to our unique point of view or perspective or vantage point and just package it up so you don't have to go out there and work it all out. So I would really encourage people to look at the book simply because it saves you so much heavy lifting. Plus, at We First, we provide so many different sort of assets and things out there, including a podcast called Lead With We that's on Spotify, Apple, and, 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 and Google. So both the book Lead With We and also the podcast are there. And all I'm doing is speaking to these amazing CMOs and CEOs about how they're getting it done. So again, it's all about insights that can add value to your business. So, you know, there's a couple of things there. And lastly, what's something that you need for someone listening out there? They, they hear this episode, they want to help, what do you need? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, 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 I was not expecting that. You know what I'm looking for right now? And I don't even know if it's the right forum to say it, but we have a, a heightened sense of urgency about the importance of this work right now, which is to equip business to make a difference out there. And I am looking for a right-hand person um, who is a, a, could be lead our business development um, that deeply cares about this space that um, is over themselves because we're all a big family at We First and is damn good at what they do. So specifically what I need right now is I'm looking for a biz dev person um, who can work hand in hand with me to really kind of meet, meet the moment because we've got sure. to do that. So that's literally what, what, what I need. So thank you for asking. Sure, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're looking for people as well, you know, and, and this is um, a crazy economy we live in um we mentioned kind of before the show talk maybe we'll talk a little bit about the the fed interest rate hikes that could cripple the um you know economy the labor force kind of you know maybe we talk about a little bit uh on the next month to check in and kind of see where that's going but yeah i was going to say and and if anyone had if anyone is that person or knows that person yeah. they can reach me at simon at wefirstbranding.com simon at wefirstbranding.com but um you know, it is it is a challenging time when you look ahead. If you look at across all the headlines around the world, and obviously there's clickbait and they're trying to sensationalize things and bad news gets more eyeballs. But there is cause for concern with the economy. We need to be very clear-eyed about how we're going to respond and very strategic in how we position ourselves now going into Q4 for next year, for sure. And, and when there is chaos, there's always opportunity, Simon. So I look forward to having this conversation next month when we have a better feel of what's going on and and come to the show with a few ideas uh, as well as things that we're seeing across the board with the people we're, we're interacting with uh, on a daily basis so simon appreciate your time any last words or helpful information for people yeah i mean i would just say this there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic right now you have never seen so many stakeholders all rallying and working together in new ways to make a difference but if I was to say one thing, I would be, if you are watching this podcast, you have already self-selected to care about business as a force for good. You could not be better positioned for today's marketplace, number one. Number two is don't try and do it alone. Really articulate what your vision is and the higher order role you want to play in the world. And you will be shocked about how your own people and those around you will show up in service of something larger than themselves. And thirdly, I would say, make sure that as you do your planning for next year, don't build on the past. Don't say, what could we do more based on what we've done in the past, but rather back out of the future. Look at your industry, look at the impact you want to have and say, where do I think things are going to be in the next three to five years and create milestones working backwards to that. 
And if so if you lean into your purpose, you do it as a collaborative exercise in the sense of being a we leader, and you really are solving for the future, which is going to be here much sooner than we think, you're going to thrive in this marketplace because everyone else is going to be flat-footed and they won't be leaning as hard into these essential elements. And when you do, you're going to do well. You will succeed. And more and more people will want to be a part of what you're building because of how you're showing up in the world. So, that, so, so be optimistic for sure. And, and, you know, if you're listening to this out here, one question we'll leave you with today on top of that um, is, is something we just asked in the forum, Simon, Simon, in today's forum, and that was, what is one strategic call that if achieved by the end of the year can double your impact in 2023? What is one goal, strategic goal, that if achieved by the end of the year could double your impact in 2023? Is it branding? Is it, is it growth? Is it hiring? What is that one goal that you need to achieve this year? So we'll leave with that today on the We Leaders podcast. Thank you for, for being uh, so selfless and growing your organizations to sustain the planet, people, and profits. Uh, and for Simon Mayworth, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, folks, and always keep it we and keep it real. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, Real Leaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realtors.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.